Hello and welcome to EQ&A. EQ&A is a premier podcast of interviews and panels with music and entertainment industry professionals. These are done in a weekly forum at Loyola University, New Orleans, and today's interview is with Sput and Mono Neon. There's a little bit of discussion talking about things like Ghost Note, uh, the band that Mono Neon and Sput have together. Um, talking about how they knew each other, how they grew up, how the music is fixed, and how they create with parts, um, and you know, a call for musicians and dialogue and stuff like that. And so then uh, we get right into them uh, just sort of getting a little bit of a, a jam session going on, going back and forth between just sort of uh, improvising some things and then also performing some, uh, some original works that they have together. And now let's go over to Mono Neon and Sput. We have uh, i I've been told this is your last forum. I've been excited for this one coming up for a while. Um, these guys have are some of the most amazing musicians that we have on the planet right now. They've won gra- multiple Grammy awards. They played with the likes of Justin Timberlake, Erica Badu, Prince, Snarky Puppy. It's really my pleasure to introduce Sput and Mono Neon. Thank y'all, thank y'all, appreciate it. One more big round of applause for these folks. Y'all are truly a blessed to have these folks here with us. Since it's Jazz Fest, I'll start with an obvious first question. What time did you go to sleep last night? <laughs> Who went to sleep? I didn't... Fair enough. So it leads to my second question. What makes New Orleans and Jazz Fest so special that musicians want to stay up till six in the morning playing music with each other? Well, it's, it's about the music uh, first, but I mean, really, it's just the city. As being in New Orleans, it's just always, it's, it's, and I tell people all the time, it's, it's one of the, um, the real cultural uh, cities in, because, you know, when you're from another country, everybody always likes to go to New York and, and L.A., but the people that live in those cities know that Times Square is really the worst place to be. Sure, yeah. And uh, Hollywood Strip is, is not what it is. It's, it's not what L.A. is about, you know what I mean? So it's like it's all given to, for the tourists, you know, for people that come in. All of the souvenirs cost like $100 million, you know, and stuff like right, that. Right, right. But um, if you come to New Orleans, you get it. The real culture. You get a real culture, and it's music. It's everything. It's the Cajun. How it's long have food. How long have you been coming here and playing music? Well, probably um, a long time. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm, you, I'm a little older than you probably think. No, nah, so. not for real. That's that is respect because <laughs> you look great at for least, it. At least, 20, at least twenty years for sure. Yeah, it keeps you young. Sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, you've started a lot. You started pretty young, definitely, and you had some great experiences early on playing with Kirk Franklin. How do you see in this trajectory of getting from, you know, Kirk Franklin to Badu into being where you are with Snarky Puppy and now Ghost Note? Like, did you kind of see that as a young guy that this is how I was going to do it? Because you could be on any stage in the world in a sense that it's, it's, is it now this drive to kind of make your own music and get out of this, uh, I, 
I guess what I'm trying to get to is the inspiration from other people and figuring out oh, how yeah. to be, be, be a band for a long time and to be together and, it, and then to be able to make a place where you all can be you know, expressive in your own right and speak with your own voice and send your own message out right. rather than having to be in a place where you're in somebody else's band, more or less. Well, I think, I think the goal has always been to, um, to just, you know, you, you, you say you want to do music. You say you want to play and you want to be a musician or you want to be a professional uh, uh, musician for, for as a career, and I think it just leads you to all these things. And um, you're, I mean, I went to school first. I went to Juilliard um, in high school in Dallas, Texas. Same school where Noah Jones, uh, Eric Badu, Roy Hargrove, um, a lot of a lot of people went to to that school as well. Um, that are out. You know, doing music and any they have a Houston version of it, which is Robert Glasper, sure. uh, uh, Chris Dave, and uh, Eric Holland, and all these other musicians that came from that school. Beyonce, I think Beyonce went to that school as well. So it's um, that's where it started, and then I went, I went to college and I decided that I wanted to do music for the rest of my life. So I just was trying to learn the business side because I, I had the music. But um, in order to do that, you have to, a lot of people, you know, just aspire to do, you know, I want to play, I want to play, but, and then they develop the playing skills or, you know, singing or whatever it is, but then they get, and there's this grind called music, there's this grind that happens, and then they don't know how to sustain it because the business side is the most important thing, and that's, it's it's not really a hard word, it's just, Taking care of it and making sure you, you know, you're you're preparing yourself for the next move all all the time. You know? Sure, sure. Well, with the next move, y'all have a record coming out. You want to tell me a little bit about that? About the Ghost Note project, some of the stuff that y'all yeah, are working so, on. So we play in a band called Ghost Note, and um, and we just think, yeah, we're pretty proud of. Uh, how many of y'all know? Y'all know about Ghost Note? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Cool. Um, so we just released a record called Swagism, and um, um, like maybe two, like a week ago, two weeks ago, nice. or something. Congratulations! Like that. And uh, yeah, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, gratifying because uh, we worked really hard on it, and it, it was it was released as number one on the charts. So um, it was, you know, it's nice. it's 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 a. Um, it's a band that me and my partner, Nate Worth, um, uh, he played in a band called Snarky Puppy with me. And um, we started together as a drum duo. Sure. And uh, we did our first record called Fortified, and it was cool. And uh, But it was just something we wanted to do to make beats or, you know, to go in the studio and do put our voice down. And we had no idea that people would want us to come and perform it live. So... It was just us in the studio, so when people was like, can y'all come perform live? We was, was like, wait. Uh, we did overdubs, so we cloned ourselves like eight million times to do, you know, but, um, so we had to form a band to do live performances, and it just kind of morphed into uh, what we have now, which made it really interesting to do a second record, because now we had a band, and it was like, it's just incredible to have these musicians, and we started writing the songs to fit the personalities of these guys. It, and it went from a drum duo to how many people play with you now? Seven of us. Seven of us. Core, uh, core. If we could have 
a super band, it'll be probably nine of us, but nine. it's seven. Yeah. And then how did you two link up? I've been knowing this guy since he was 13, 14, or something like that. Um, he, uh, we both grew up in church. Nice. And um, just following him, you know. You can't miss him on the internet. Yeah, sure. You know, so we've been um, we've been keeping in touch throughout the years, and uh, I just followed him and, uh, and saw that he was uh, playing with Prince, you know. And um, I was like, man, it'd be cool to... We went to a city one time and asked him to open up for a Ghost Snow show. And I was like, it'd be cool to collaborate with him. And our bass player, we came to New Orleans, ironic. And our bass player that was in the band, uh, we have two bass players. This guy, guy named A.J. Brown. He's, you know, he was on a health kick, so he was trying to lose weight. Uh, he's a big guy. And um, he was doing the insanity, that, whatever that, this workout. Yeah thing he was doing. I don't know what it is, but and, it sounds insane. Yeah, so he went down to do some push-ups and never came back up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was here at New Orleans. Seriously? And, <laughs> seriously, like, like he, was, he went down. Not and like was, a heart attack in No, no, he just, he right. just, something happened with his, I don't know what happened, gotcha. but um, gotcha. he, couldn't, he couldn't move. So we had to send him home to get work done on his back and stuff, and uh <laughs> We didn't have a bass player. <laughs> so I called Mono. I was like, Mono, we, we, we got through the New Orleans shows, and we, the next show was in Nashville. I called Mono, I was like, yo, can you learn like a, an hour and a half show in less than 24 hours and come play a show? And Mono was like, yeah, cool. And he came. <laughs> And that was it, you know. And once he st once he joined the band, and you know, once he played those shows, you know, once you once you learn a set like that, and you play a whole, and he played most of the rest of the tour, I guess. Sure. I mean, you, you you basically become a member of the band. Yeah, so it's intense. Some yeah, intense work. Yeah, yeah. Definitely so, yeah. come off the street twenty four hours later and so, be able to walk in and do it. And but I will it. I will say the band got a little just a tad bit funkier when he got in the band. So. I would say that was gonna be my follow up question is do you feel like there's something that, that being able to go from a drum duo to that, did you specifically think of individuals that could bring something different to you or is it just kind of organically fell into this it's way? Because yeah, that's what it sounds like with mono, you know. It's yeah, it happened organic. We yeah. we started, you know, you travel and you meet a lot of people. And you meet a lot of people that are willing to to come and, and make music and it's it's fun to do it you know so a lot of most of the guys we 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 we're, we have in the band are young like they're they've never really been on the road before and done the stuff that we're doing so it's really cool to kind of show them the well ropes. that's it you yeah. you get to be kind of an elder statesman whereas i know yeah. for for years snarky puppy yo was what 18 of y'all in a van feel like riding around it wasn't 18 i feel like that number keep going up <laughs> every year it's but it's like bigger and bigger yeah we got 30 people in a van yeah, yeah. <laughs> 40 people in a van yeah. it's i mean it was a core of 13 guys sure um, which is a if in a 15 passenger van you only got one or two seats that are but we, we never performed with 13 guys though we we would perform with like nine or ten at the most and um but we would record with Big groups, yeah. With a big group, but um, the performance is usually between nine and ten people because it's a lot of that's a lot of people to be expressing on stage at one time. So, sure. So I mean, even though these everybody in the band are really super talented, it's, it's like the music is is written for 
comp as a composition. It's not just jamming. I know sometimes it seems like or it looks like or may feel like jamming and we're all just jamming out, but it's it's fixed. The music is written and we kind of create within our parts. So you can only do have so many people doing that at, at a certain times. So Mike Mike Lee, who's the band leader, I think he's a genius in uh, kind of putting the right pieces together to make that work the way it's worked. And in this arrangement now for, for Ghost Note, you feel like you got more organic, like limitlessness. It seems like what I feel like when I hear it. It feels like y'all are so talented that there's nothing you really can't do, which is about containing that talent within to where everybody gets to be expressive in their own right and kind yeah. of have their own voice rather than, like you're saying, even with Snarky Puppy, as brilliant as Mike is, it's still there's a little bit of a conf confines of a of elements of writ more almost written music, more or less. Yeah. So this, it feels like there's, especially in your live shows, that there's this kind of organic element that comes with, that almost feels like jamming, but at this same level of snarky jamming, that it's like, holy shit, this is a different planet. Like, right. how did I get here? Well, it's more like, okay, we're, the band is, the biggest influence of, of Ghost Note is, is Prince. So, but a lot of people hear Prince records and they, they're like, oh yeah, man, that's, that's cool. You know, sound good. You know, but we we're like we studied them, like the performance side of it, like the Minneapolis sound and that whole thing. And if you go uh, now, you can go on the internet and see videos of him live. But you 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 couldn't do that a couple sure. years back. But um, so if you see, you know, he used to have fun on stage, and they used to get into a groove and sit there for like ten minutes sure. or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And I just think that's lost now because it's always a time limit on on performance. You, you know, this song has to be three minutes long. It's all programmed and sequenced. You know, we just we're not knocking that, but for us, we're trying to take the other route. We're trying to go back to uh, authentic, just live music that comes from our souls, our hearts, and uh, directly from us to the people, to the audience. Because it's like. Um, we love to play music, we love to make music, and I really truly believe music is a healer of anything you want it to be. You know, um, it helps people when they're down, you know, and I think it helps bring a lot of people together that would normally come together. So, um, in doing that, yeah. Yeah, in, in doing that, yeah, I, that's, that's a good thing, so. Uh, but in doing that, we, we can like, um, really be expressive and give the audience a good time as well. So that's what that's kind of the approach. Nice. Well, what else, what other shows you got coming up during Jazz Fest? I, I know there's a big one at the Music Box coming next week. Yeah, we go. Well, tomorrow, well tonight, Mono is playing with John Modeski. Is that another another one a.m. show at? Yeah, uh, and DJ Logic and nice. Scary. Uh, Not to be and missed. And then, um, are you playing Tuesday? Okay, but Wednesday. I'm sorry, Thursday, we're playing with um, Terrace Martin. Nice. Where is uh, that? In the fairground somewhere. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Terrace, Terrace Martin and Rose Gold. And uh, and then Thursday, that night, we're doing a late night show at the Blue Blue Now. It's it's a lot of shows, like, actually. You go to ghostnight.com, I'm sure we could find the dates on it. Yeah, we'll, put, we'll post them on it. We'll have them all posted. But, um, yeah, it's all week, all nice. week long. Nice. Yeah. Well, cool. Do y'all want to play some music? Yeah, sure. I would certainly enjoy the hell out of that. Cool. All right. <laughs> Give us a couple of minutes to move this furniture, and then y'all can jump right into it unless you get something else. Well, before we play, I just want to say that um, 
it's just two of us. So how many musicians do we have in the, in the place, right? Singers? So everybody else is just music lovers? What's going on here? <laughs> well, cool. I mean, I, I, I just want to explain, like, you know, it's, ironically, it's bass and drums, which is like the heartbeat of the rhythm section. And what I want to do today, we're going to play some songs, but I want to kind of explain kind of expose or uh, give an example of the relationship between a drummer and a bass player musically and um, and talk about feel and what that means so feel free let's just have a hangout today and just kind of y'all can ask questions we're gonna play a couple of grooves and we'll stop and y'all can ask us whatever you want to ask about it is that cool all right All right, this we're gonna play a tune off of our Swagism record. Uh, we got a bunch of songs on that record, but um, this is a really fun song to play. And uh, I wrote it during the time, couple, well, I wrote it last year during the time where we was having a really rough time with President Twitter. And um, so I wanted to dedicate it to him. So this is a song called Funk You Motherfunker. Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Freshly offers chef-prepared, all-natural gourmet meals delivered to customers' doorsteps through a weekly subscription model. Healthy means that our menu is designed using whole and natural ingredients. Every meal is packed with high-quality proteins, heart-healthy fats, and nutrient-dense carbohydrates. Freshly meals will never Freshly meals will never contain gluten, refined sugars, or artificial additives. Meals arrive fresh, never frozen, and are ready to eat within three minutes. And as a Scavengers Network listener, you can take 30% off of your first week if you check out bit.ly slash scavfresh. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash S-C-A-V-F-R-E-S-H. I'd also like to talk to you about Warby Parker. I'm recording this ad actually wearing my Warby Parker glasses myself. Um, big fan of their product. Warby Parker was founded with a rebellious spirit and a lofty objective to offer designer eyewear at a revolutionary price while leading the way for socially conscious businesses. The eyewear industry is dominated by a single company that has been able to keep prices artificially high while reaping huge profits from consumers who have no other options. So, Warby Parker was created to create. So, Warby Parker was started to create an alternative. Good eyewear, good outcome. Prescription eyeglasses start at just $95, so find a new pair today with our free home try-on program. It's fast, free shipping both ways, and for every pair sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. And if you're going to check out Warby Parker, use our link bit.ly slash cscav, that's S-E-E-S-C-A-V, cscav, for more details. We really do appreciate you using our links with all of our sponsors to help us keep the lights on here at the Scavengers Network and to help Loyola University continue to bring in large guests like Sput and Mono Neon. And speaking of, let's get right back to it with them. Yo, all right, thank you. Unfortunately, that's all he gets. Sorry. All right, so since we're here, I, I want to explain. Did anybody, anybody have anything, any questions about what you just witnessed? I can't see you, but I see a hand waving. Okay. There you go. Yeah. That's yeah, that's that's the point. Drag so when you when you say drag, so I mean it's, it's funny to go everywhere cuz you hear all you hear a lot of terms. You hear the lot this it gets it gets renamed all the time. I, I hear lag, the lag beat, the frump, the, I mean, like, so the glitch, I've heard all kind of stuff, but um, there's this genre of music called hip hop. You guys heard of that? 
All right, and there's this, there's this guy who is pretty much the king of hip hop producing, and he's no longer with us. His name is Jay Dilla. You guys heard of him? Rest in peace, Jay. But um, this dude, he he in the you know he kind of he kind of really like reinvented a way to manipulate the drum beat or to manipulate samples within the drum beat. Um, and what he would do is change the percentage, the swing percentage on some on drum machines, and he would just he would do it individually from instrument to instrument. And um, it was easy to do for him because he would sample each instrument. Like so, instead of sampling the whole drum pattern, he would sample just the hi hat and sample the snare and then the kick drum, and then he would manip play the same beat but manipulate each one to the left or to the right. And um, it's very genius, but it's not something that's easy to do um, live. As a, you know, as a, it's a machine can do it really well, but um, I, think, I think when you're thinking about that, though, you have to think like that. You have to think from that standpoint, because nothing is on the grid. It's all about feel, which is what I want to talk about today. Feel, feel. That's an important thing in the music. That's an important thing for the world of music because if the music, if it, the only way people like music is because it feels good, it makes them feel a certain way. And the feel comes from the frequencies that are being played. And bass and drums are the key element to that. So um, feel is how you get that glitch. So what we're gonna do, we're gonna play a straight groove, and then we're just gonna morph into the glitch. Let's see if you guys can tell where the transition happens. Get that? So it, it really falls on the drummer and the bass. I mean, whoever's listening in the rhythm section kind of just follows suit. And, and basically, all they have to do is just kind of be lazy with whatever they're playing. But it's it's really not what I'm doing. I'm I'm picking and choosing from the snare and the kick drum. Something has to be constant. 
Because my, my goal, what I want to see is everybody still doing this the whole time. I want everybody still bobbing their head and moving their heads or whatever you do to make when you, when you feel a beat. So, um, so the snare is going to be constant. The snare is going to be on grid two and four, snare and kick drum. The hi-hat is what's going to change. Notice the personalities in those two beats. One is really happy, and one is really like really aggressive. So I mean, like it's it's really as simple as that, you know. But the hi hats, I just kind of just made it just just kind of was a little late on the hi hat. But it's not on grid. So when you when you ask the question, this that's pretty much how you have to think about it. It's a roundabout way to answer it, but it's that's how you think about it. Literally, you can't you can't think about it. So, anybody else? So dark. Just yell at me because I can't see. Once on Benny Greb playing with a bass player, and they were talking about subdivision of mm -hmm. a groove and how. And in the video, they would like play it, and the bass player would play the note early while the drummer would play like um, it ahead of the time or whatever and it wouldn't like both land on the one how do you get good at like not playing exactly on time but still being in time once again it's feel it's it goes back to feel so it's not um i think you always have to play on time at some point you know but i think i think the cool thing about being able to uh manipulate that is is to always have a constant and whatever's constant keeps the time and then whatever doesn't, you know, whatever you're you're choosing to play in between is what makes that illusion. But I think I, I think the more you do anything, you get better at it. So it's just about repeating and doing it. I mean, the thing about hip hop is that most of the loops are four bars. So you you have a short amount of of uh looping to remember and to repeat so four bars you can kind of just kind of nail it until you get it and grasp it until it becomes a constant no problem we've been we've been on tour for like probably almost three years now together so a lot of our practice has become playing you know, um, but generally, you know, you do we do rehearsals. Um, guys in my band, they, you know, they kind of tease me about not rehearsing all the time because we don't really rehearse. I like I, I'll send music out and they'll learn it, and then when we come together, I'll show them how we're gonna play it, and it kind of, kind of just turns into the material when we perform it, and we get the reaction of the crowd, and we decide what to keep and what not to keep when we learn the new songs and stuff like that. So kind of like our audience dictates what the song ends up being, which is really cool. About how many shows a year do y'all play? Um, 
we've kind of toned it down a little bit in the, the last couple of years, but we play, we probably play, we probably do like four or five tours a year, and they're each probably two to three weeks long, so not not that much, you know. I mean, this year is going to be a pretty cool year because we're going to go to Europe for the first time as a band, so in November, yeah. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be gone for like a month then, so that's going to, a month and a few days. So, um, I mean, this year, probably we're probably going to be looking at probably 80 to 90 dates. So, yeah. Play with a bunch of musicians of such high caliber. Like, how do you choose what um, creative input to elaborate on? You know, like everyone's, you know, always trying to put their own like individual creativeness. How do you choose as like a rhythm section what to elaborate on or like where to take the groove? It's listening. It's listening. You're playing with a bunch of people. Uh, no matter what instrument you're on, I'm, I play drums, so I have to listen to everybody. The guitar player. And what we do, I mean, the best thing to do when you're playing with a lot of people is to find relationships with someone else. Like sometimes I do it with the horn players and I play off of what they're playing and it creates a dialogue between the two. And while we're doing while we're doing that, the bass player and the keyboard player might be doing the same thing, you know, and it's kind of all of these cross really uh, conversations that are happening in within the groove that uh, makes what makes up the groove. So I think when you're trying to be creative and trying to find your pick and choose your spots, it just happens from listening. But if you don't listen, then you don't know where those spots are because, I mean, and I think a lot of times, and I say this because I've, I'm a drummer that used to ignore percussion players. <laughs> I don't, I mean, like they just, you know, I was like, you know, I never paid attention to what they, I knew they were there and you even heard them, but um, I just, I never paid attention to what they were actually playing. And um, I think that's important because you can actually play and make, really cool music together if you're listening to what each other's doing. And I think you have to do that across the board. It's, just, it's, it's like a keyboard, this happens a lot. Keyboard, keyboard players and guitar players, um, when, when playing, there's, there's always clashes. But the clashes come from a word that he used, subdivisions. Like, especially when you're playing funk stuff, you know, funk music, um, the guitar players, natural, job is to up down stroke you know chunk and and a lot of times in funk music the keyboard player goes so you have that going twice so you kind of have to someone has to 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 create some space and then once that happens, if someone thinks to do that, then you start hearing all these holes and these, you know, you hear creative moments. So I think it's, it boils down to listening, man, because you can't really, you can't really see your way through if you if you if you're just dictating what only what you're trying to play. So yeah, does that make sense? Cool. Yeah, we're gonna play. So. When you're uh, when you sit down to write a record, how do you decide when you want to play the straight beat and when you want to create that tension with the drags or the rushes, like to change the, you know, the emotion of the phrase? I think I think 
I think you write it like that. I think, I mean, for me personally, if 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 that's happening, I write it like that. And if we're not, if we, if it's not written like that, I'm just having fun and I'm trying to, really just trying to fuck with everybody in the band. You know, but um, I mean, that that's pretty much something that's fixed. You know, you write it that way. I mean, you don't write it to play it the same way exactly, but you write it with, it's like, it's like acting. You know, you take, you take the script and you make it your own, but the script is there. You have to follow the script. You can do it your own way, but you have to follow the script. And every time you run a scene, it might, you might say different. You might do a different gesture. I think it's the same way in music, you know. So we wrote, we, when I wrote this, this tune, I wrote it to lack. I wrote it to have that feel. Because I want it to be, I want it to be confusing. I want it to be, I want it to feel like I felt when I, when I, I felt about the person I was writing the song about. You know what I mean? So, cool. We're gonna play another tune.
tune called Reduction, which means we just made it up. The first one was called Smack Him. It's on Swagism record. We're going to play another one. We're going to play a real interesting one. We never played this as a duo. Yeah. Good luck, Mano.
Thank y'all so much. That was a tune written by Mono Neon called Milkshake. Once again, thank you very much, Mono Neon and Spud. The record is Swagism, and the band is Ghost Note. Go see Mono Neon tonight and One-Eyed Jackson, and I'm sure these guys have tons of gigs. You could find them at later during the week. So thank you very much. Congratulations, seniors, in your last forum. EQ&A is brought to you by Freshly, Warby Parker, and, of course, Loyola University, New Orleans. This show is also a part of the Scavengers Network, with many other podcasts such as Myth Takes, Academy Outcasts, and Journey Under 30. So thank you so much for joining us here on EQ&A. From Loyola University, New Orleans, this is Colin Parker, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>